I want to share that he is worthy of our militant devotion to the kingdom of God. He's worthy. So I want to challenge us tonight to be militant Christian men. We're going to talk about what that looks like. We're going to talk about the case for the militant Christian. What does that mean? Well, the word militant is, is defined as fighting or warring. We, we as men are called to fight. We are not called to be passive. It is, militant is about having a combative character, especially in the service of a cause. My question to each of us tonight is, do we have a service worthy of a cause? Do we? Can we be militant for our Lord? We are a, a, a people who are significantly out of balance. As we shared last night, and Jeff Bakken shared this morning, you know, everyone wants to talk about how God is love, but God is a God of war. We're going to explore that. And don't take my word for it. We will open up the scriptures and we will see, is the Lord a God of war? But today, the world is militant about everything except God. Do you hear me? The world is militant in throwing things at us in a militant fashion except about God. The reality is we are at war. They're militant about us accepting their pronouns. They're militant about us affirming child mutilation. They're militant about abortion. They're militant about extreme MAGA rhetoric. That's a whole new linguistic wandering in terms now. They, they, they have this whole mantra in sequence. You know, that is, if you're extreme magna, as, as magna, as if that's something bad. They're militant, listen to this, fathers, sons, the, the, the culture is militant about bending reality. Where we're in a place where we don't know what is real and what is not. What is and what is not. They're militant about controlling the language. Is that right? We see a culture right now that is militant about controlling the language. And if you don't speak their language, you are a bigot and you are hateful. How many of you have read, read the book 1984? Not too many. Well, 1984 is now. Gentlemen, put it down on your reading list. You need to read it. You're going to think that you're in the twilight zone because you're going to read something that reads like today. George Orwell wrote this in 1984, and I'm telling, or this was written in 1984, and I'm telling you, here's the thing. One of the key messages is the concept of the surveillance state in this book, and where the government monitors every aspect of a citizen's life. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about the government and things like that tonight, but I want to point out something. The enemy, and I'm not just saying the government, I'm saying the enemy, Satan, he is militant about pushing his agenda. 
And we need to wake up and realize that. But the government has been weaponized against us. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's called the Restrict Act. It, and it, and it's, it's like the Patriot Act 2.0. And the Restrict Act, with, with, a, with more than just about one social media platform, it gives broad powers to control your speech and privacy and access online, criminalizing those who do not agree with the government. They have become completely militant about canceling Christians. If you are identified as any type of an influence in the Christian world, they are militant about canceling you. The moment that God begins to use you is the moment you begin to see a lot of things coming your way. All while Christians are, and here's the reality. They're militant while Christians are militant about everything except God. The reason why it's a hard message to receive is, is should Christians be militant? Yes, they should. They should. Men, we should be militant. We should be militant towards masculinity. We should be militant towards raising masculine, godly men and capturing our children's hearts. We should be militant about it. But the challenge is today is that we see a church and a culture, so-called claiming Christians, who are militant about their video games, their movies, what type of house they live in, their cars, how much money they're making. I mean, they're militant on all of that. In fact, church and Christianity has to adjust around their schedule. And they're militant about it. Well, I can't do that for the church. I can't do that for God because, well, you know, I'm planning this amazing trip to so-and-so. I'm, or I'm planning to do this or I'm planning to do that. Does that sound like they're militant about God? No, it isn't. But the question is, is militant biblical? Well, let's look at it. The term militant church is actually like a metaphorical expression. Does anyone know where it came from originally? Before anyone wants to take a guess? Yes. Go ahead, yell. Poland. Very close. Militant is metaphorical expression that refers to the church's active engagement in spiritual warfare or defending the faith against various forms of evil. The Pope said this back in his day. He said, we belong to the church militant, and she is militant because on earth, and I'm reading this off to you, and we're, we're looking at this, and I'm saying it, and at the same time, does it sound anything any more like the Catholic Church? It doesn't. The Catholic Church is anything but a church, right? We belong to the church militant, and she is militant because on earth, the powers of darkness are ever resting to encompass her destruction. Not only in far off centuries of the early church, but down through the ages, in this, in this our day, the enemies of God and Christian civilization make bold to attack the Creator's supreme dominion and human rights. So let's look at it. Is God a God of war? We'll turn to Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16, and we'll read it. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he, he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes 
They're not weak eyes. They're like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except him himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and in his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. The armies in heaven. The armies in heaven. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that if he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of his of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Do you know that the Lord of hosts, the armies, appears 261 times in Scripture? And that word host is a translation of the Hebrew word meaning armies. Is God a God of war? He is. 2 Timothy 2, it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that Christ is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. Do we have any faithful men in the room tonight? Come on. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Can, today, we saw so many different men teaching and instilling into others' lives. I walked into a dad when we were butchering the cow this morning. His, the other kid, I, I had a, a son that, one of the dad's sons that was busy doing something else for me. So I asked another dad, hey, would you teach this boy how to cut meat? He said, absolutely. We need to be those men that will teach others. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Listen, if the affairs of this life have such a grip on you, you are in, you are on defense in the enemy's war. You need to flip that over and take the offense. But you can't do it if you are so caught up in the affairs of life. You, you, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you need the big house, the cars, you need all of these things to validate your identity. Let me tell you, your identity alone comes from Jesus Christ. To live for His name and His fame alone. It isn't about me, it's not about you. It's for His name and His fame and His glory. So we need to be those that are militant about serving Jesus Christ. Amen? And if anyone competes in that place, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first partake of the cross. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. May we not be those that have our head in the sand. I like what Chaplain Paul Zimmer said, military chaplain. He says, the Father of Jesus is always at war. He remains in the church militant until he enters church triumphant in heaven. There is no church pacifist. Those who do not fight are dead. If you're not fighting, it's because your wood's wet. You are dead. And you need to speak, uh, pray, with the, pray to the Holy Spirit that He would ignite you.
that you would not live a pacifist life, a dead life. But, oh God, that you would pour your fire out on me, that I would be one of those that would shake this earth for your kingdom. Amen. Guys, we're not meant to be passive. We're not meant to not make an impact. But the way that you make an impact and the way that you run with God are in the same place. And that is on our knees. Amen. First Timothy 4 says this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. We see that right now. They're, they're militant about the doctrines of demons. How love is love and we need to be accepting of all these different things that are going on in our culture. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. I can think of some celebrity pastors right now that have their conscience seared. Conscience are seared. And, and, and they're forbidding, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received. With thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Amen. We just ate a cow. Come on. Well, I'm a vegetarian. Well, thank you. That's more meat for me. So is the cow. All right. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. I get myself in trouble on that. The good confession, 1 Timothy 6. But you, O man of God, you, O man of God, flee the things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Look at that again. It says it. Fight the good fight of faith. It does not say roll up and just, well, you know, we just got to be, you know, we got to be so gentle. sit back and, you know, do nothing. No, we are to fight the good fight of faith. Come on. Guys, we got to be challenged in this. We want, we need to leave here knowing we are in a war and we're going to be militant about fighting for the kingdom of God. We're going to be militant about seeing the power of God in our lives. Come on. Do you want to see the power of God move in your life? The only way it happens is if we get serious. If we need business with God, I want you to know he needs business with you. Come on. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. That you keep this commandment without spot. Blame us until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. He for which he will manifest in his own time. He who is blessed and only potent, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Who alone has immortality dwelling in the unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and everlasting power. Come on. Look, I'm going to read some more. We're going to have a little bit of a word fest. Is that okay? So we're right here, and, you know, the Lord says, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, He says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he, and, and, and it goes on and says, Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, of hell shall not prevail against it. That, that looks to me like war right there. He's warning us that we're going to build a church, 
and that hell is coming after it. But we're going to win. But I, I don't want to be the ones that get before my Father in heaven. And, I, and, and he asked me why I didn't engage in the war. I'm gonna, I, I want to be able to, I want the last guy I have to be when the devil goes, whoo. Not because he's a celebrating another Christian's gone, but he's celebrating that he doesn't have to contend against me anymore. Come on. When the enemy picks on you, he needs to know he's contending against someone who is a man of God. Not just anybody, but someone who knows who he is in Christ Jesus. That's you. That's me. And it says here, verse 19. Read it, and let's read it. You might even want to say it out loud yourself. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We are a poor. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, now I call myself and pity with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who is in the presence I am lowly among you, but being absent, I am bold towards you. Paul is bold. There we see it again. Is it is he being a coward? No, he's being bold towards them. But I beg you that when I'm present, that I may not may not be bold with the confidence by which I intended to go against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. We need to be bold, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit of God. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. But guys, here's the thing. We can read that. You may know that, that scripture by heart. But here's the reality. If we're not on the offense, we can never pick up. If we're only on it takes, a, it takes a while to recognize that the enemy is on offense. But when we are on offense, any slight move by the enemy, we can recognize it. I mean, quickly. Why? Because we're in lockstep with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to reveal things where the enemy is maneuvering because we're on the offense. We just keep taking the ground, just keep moving forward. But when you're in the defense, sometimes... It's like a two by four pass and then you upside your head up three or four times before you go, you know, oh wait a second, I think I think I think I'm I think something's going on here. Right? Where the Holy Spirit's like, hello, 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 hello. But when you're on the offense, it's hey, and you and it's like when you read the scripture, it says that he, he whispers right behind your ear. But it, it also says in Psalms that you get so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you get so sensitive to God, you the, the Lord will literally lead you. By his eye. May we have a heart where we can be led, where our eye, where we can see what he sees. John Wesley, the militant church is one that never retreats but advances and conquering every stronghold of the enemy through prayer and perseverance. There, there's, there can't be any quitting in us. We can't quit. You know, you, you can't quit. You know, we've seen in the last month and a half, we've seen some crazy things here within um, the, the hilltop, our, our fellowship, um, basically within the, 
um, our local community. And there was never a thought that we were going to quit. You know, uh, when Nolan almost died and his life flighted, um, when, when Sam fell, it wasn't a thought of quitting. Sam was here the next day helping work on this, this place to get camp ready. I mean, come on. We got to be those that will persevere. We can't be quitting. We can't be those that when the enemy attacks, we go, oh, I wonder if I should be doing this for God or not. Maybe I'll just go ahead and sit on the sideline. No, we need to be those that recognize that the enemy is attacking and we continue to persevere and move forward. Amen? We are more. What does it say? The whole armor of God in Ephesians 6. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. When you put yourself in that uncomfortable place of going to war for the Lord by His Spirit, you can trust on the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against wars of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Hey, listen. I got saved in 1992, August of 1992. I started attending a Southern Baptist church. I became a licensed Southern Baptist minister. But I learned real quick within a few short years that the enemy is real, there's wickedness, and there's demons. I learned it real quick. Real quick. We cannot ignore the reality that we are dealing with with, with the enemy, but we're dealing with powers, we're dealing with all types of things that are going on around us. We cannot be naive to that. Just because it's stuff that we don't understand, we can't be naive to it. We need, we, that's why we need to be taking the offense. We need to be running with the Lord on our knees so that we can hear from Him and recognize when things are going on in, in, in the spiritual realm and in, in heavenly places. We need to be able to recognize what's going on. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God and you'll be able to stand the evil day. And having done all to stand, you stand. Stand, therefore, having burned your ways with truth and putting on the breastplate of righteousness and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith. Guys, why would you need a shield of faith if you weren't at war? Come on. We're at war. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Let me read that again. Praying sometimes. No. Always. Praying always. We need to be, as we're walking through the day, as I talk about walking in a heart of repentance, that's part of just in fellowship with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis is, is praying. You know, having, having conversation and prayer time with the Lord. We need to be those that are praying on a regular basis. And for me, that the utterance may be given me, that I may openly bold and boldly may know the mystery of the gospel. Let me tell you something. You cannot understand the mystery of the gospel if you're on defense. You understand the mystery of the gospel when you apply Hebrews 11. And by faith, you begin to walk things out so that you can understand we understand the mystery of the gospel when we go into that tough place, that in-between place, and we, we lay it all on the line with 
the Lord and we say, God, unless you move here, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a plan B. Guys, we need to cut the ropes to our ships. We need to cut the rope and set sail with the Lord. Cut all the backup plans and, and lay it all on the line before the Lord. Don't go to plan B or plan C. How many of you guys are planners? Come on, be honest. You're like, I'm not going to raise my hand. He's about to, about to nail me. <laughs> well, make a plan to cut all the roads. Cut anything that's tied to the shoreline and set sail with God and let God be God. Come on. Anybody being challenged tonight? Come on. Leonard Ravenhill. He said, the church does not engage in spiritual warfare as a church that has already surrendered. How many churches in America right now have the white flag up? Totally surrendered. Man. How many Christians are walking around with a, a proverbial white flag and surrender? How many Christians need to see your witness that you are not surrendered? Come on, can God use you to impact those that are dormant and on the defense, that they can see that you're not surrendering? We need to be those that lead with biblical manhood. I like what Randy Stinson says. Randy Stinson is the dean of, of uh, one of the deans at uh, Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary um, on the family side, but I like what he says. He says, passivity is one of the main It's a pattern of waiting on the sidelines until you're specifically asked to step in. We need to be those that step in before we're asked. Amen? Alan steps in before he was asked. Repeatedly. Guys, Alan cooked the steaks tonight. He steps in before he's even asked. Even worse than that, it can be a pattern of trying to duck out of responsibility or run away from challenges. Did anyone feel challenged today in any of your activities? Come on, be honest. Yeah? Yeah, that's okay. But you did them. Men who think of conflict should be, men who think conflict should be avoided or refuse to engage with those who have harmed the body of Christ or their family, not only model passivity, but fail in their responsibility as protectors. Just let that sit there and marinate for a moment. Running to the battle means continually taking a step toward the challenge, not away from it. You know, being a male is a matter of birth. Being a man is a matter of maturity, not age. Like I said last night, there are 40 and 50 year old men that are males that are, that are just little boys in a, in a grown up body. They are. And then being, being a gentleman is a matter of choice. Being a gentleman is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit on how you're going to lead your wife, how you're going to love on your daughters. I like this quote by Dr. David Jeremiah. He said, A man of God and the will of God is immortal until his work is done. You are unstoppable until your work is done in the kingdom. 
God. My question for you personally is, are you at war? And have you taken that challenge on? Matthew eleven twelve says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. I like what Tristan Emanuel says. He is a Canadian Christian activist who equips Christians for the public square. How about that? That's a novel idea. Engaging in the public square. I like what he says. On a cultural level, we all know that the idea of real men has almost been beaten out of our social consciousness. Men are objects of scorn and they're vilified. They watch TVs and commercials and sitcoms and you'll witness a barrage of attacks all designated to assault the dignity of real men and the historic role model of males as provider and protector. Guys, 20 years ago, this was random. This was what was being programmed through the televisions, through everything. 20 years ago, they, they would take and, and, and just continually um, assault the dignity of men on television and lower the expectations of being them, of them being a provider and being a protector. And then Eric Metaxas, he says this, something began to happen back in the 1960s where we ceased teaching the things we once knew. And so from that time now, we have ceased to raise manly men. Not us. We refuse to be those that do not raise manly men. I've got good news for you. You may not feel like you've done a great job, but you're here right now saying, you know what? I'm serious about biblical manhood. I'm serious about raising godly men. Young men, let it be a statement to you. The fact that your father has said, you know what? I have set this weekend aside for me and you. It means he's serious about his relationship with you, and it means he's serious about raising a godly young man, a warrior for Christ. Tristan Emmanuel goes on to say many pastors have suppressed godly male assertiveness, opting out to be nice. Andy's family. They have advocated their calling to speak the truth in the interest of political correctness. I didn't know pastors were supposed to be politically correct. They have decided that manipulating people with emotional, self-help books, and anecdotal sermonizing is better for the bottom line than training and teaching the men in their congregations to be leaders and warriors for Christ. And as a result, the church is suffering from a shortage of real men. That is why when men have advocated their role, we see such a rampant movement of, of ladies filling, the, filling those roles. You want to know why we see so many ladies filling these roles? The problem is, is because the men have not stepped up and done what they're supposed to do. That's why. We can preach all day long about um, who, whose role is it in the church. We can do that until we, we, we get blue. But until... We start challenging men to be godly men, masculine men that lead their homes. Until we challenge our young men to be godly men, we'll never be able to address this imbalance. 
Tristan Emanuel says this, Ironically, with the death of genuine masculinity, an increasing number of young men are seeking to reclaim their manhood and homosexuality. Guys, they are coming from the hearts and minds of our children, our families, and our church. And we need to stop treating the devil kindly. We need to stop treating them kindly. We are at war, and the enemies attacking any of our lives, our homes and our churches, our communities and our jobs and our businesses, that he sees vulnerable. He will come in and attack those areas that he sees are vulnerable. And it's in time that we engage in a spiritual war that is taking place like never before. Let us be reminded of our core values, who we are, that we are to be called real men of we are to be real men of masculinity. We are to be 1 Corinthians 6:13. Can anybody recite it for me? Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. The theme by the Apostle Paul clearly is the man to act like men curious, literally in a culture where there's no understanding of what biblical manhood really looks like. Confusion abounds among Christians. I like what Reverend Roy Smith said. He's a Methodist minister back in L.A. Um, in the 1930s and 40s. And he said, the ability to accept responsibility is the true measure, is the measure of a man. We need to be in a place right now where we accept the responsibility rests solely on our shoulders to be godly men and to go to war for the kingdom of God. We must keep the main things the main things. And I like what Psalm 144 says. I believe we're in a place in this message where we can all lock in on what this says in Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Say it with me. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Let's say it again. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. One more time and say it loud like you mean it. Blessed be the Lord my rock, for war and my fingers for battle. Psalm 149. Let the saints be joyful in the glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with feathers of iron. Are there any kings, are there any nobles that need to be bound and, 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 and removed? Are there any that need to be taken care of? Yes, there is. To execute on them the written judgment is honored have all the saints praise the Lord. Like I said, we're either on uh, offense or we're on defense. There is no sitting on the bench. We've got to be watchful in our homes, in our church. In our community, no more fearful, cowardly Christianity. No more men who can't change a tire. Listen, you might be in here and you don't know how to change a tire. Well, you need to learn how to change a tire. You need to learn how to do some simple maintenance on a car. 
We have allowed a culture over the last 40 years where we have men that don't know how to do the basic things to take care of their own house. That's not your fault. That was the generation before us's fault, but we are not going to blame the generation before us. We're going to take the responsibility and recognize it's our job from this moment on to learn how to do the basic things. Hey, listen to this. You are here. You just learned how to um, butcher a cow. Come on. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Either we do the hard things now or we'll pay for it later. I'd rather pay for it now. Because it's going to cost a lot much more later if I don't pay for it now. Amen? What we see today is nothing short of a militant from the state. The state is militant. And they are coming at us hard. Martin Luther King said this. He said, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the consciousness of the state. Are we the consciousness of the state or not? I tell you what, our founding fathers knew we were. They sure did. The world has declared war on Christianity, guys. We get in trouble for the simplest of things. But I'll tell you what, just a few short months ago, they had a demon conference in Boston, or witches conference, and they, they celebrated tearing up Bibles on TV, and it was called free speech. But I'll tell you what, if we tore up a Koran right here, we, we might get charges pressed against us for hate speech. I want you to think about that. Are, are we not at war? Think about it. If I'm standing up here and I tore the Quran up right now, someone might leak it out and find out about it, and the next thing you know, a three-letter agency is swatting my house, telling me we're, you know, we have a, a, a grand jury subpoena. We, we found out that you're doing hate speech. We tore up the Quran. But I tell you what, they're not, they didn't raid her house. No, they didn't. Think about this, guys. This crazy nut, Dylan Mulvaney, says that he thinks misgendering should be illegal. Come on. If I see that you're a guy, I'm going to tell you you're a guy. I'm not going to call you by what you prefer. I'm going to call you by what God made you. Trans people say misgendering in someone is violence. Is that not laughable? Come on. Biological men believe it's their right to use the... The same bathroom as little girls. Think about this. Are you not at war? Biological men. I, we had a gentleman in our fellowship last week. They told us that there was a transgender male went in the women's bathroom. And there was a little girl in there. And they pointed out to the store. The store manager. And, and you know what the store manager did? The store manager kicked him out instead. Is that crazy? Joe Biden says not allowing... For child mutilation is, he said this, is close to sinful. Because they call it, and it's the linguistic laundering of terms, because they call it gender affirming care. No, it's child mutilation. Let's get it right. I'll fix it for you. We need to be the militant Christian. Joe Biden and Kareem Jean Pierre say, that transgender community will fight back in our fears. Well, they say that, and then a transgender goes and shoots up a, a, a private school, and they won't release the manifesto 
of that transgender because it may reveal whatever it may reveal. But I tell you what, middle-aged white men will always do something they release it immediately, immediately. Yeah, they do. The transgender community is the community we teach our kids. Listen to this. This is if you if you need any reason at all, you know, I, I learned that some of you just started homeschool. If you need any validation to, to, to know you are on the right track, the transgender community is the community we teach our kids to celebrate and participate in their right radical gender ideology. Yep, that's what they're doing, isn't it? They demand we respect them. Listen to that. They demand we respect them. But respect is defined as you accept their, their, their lifestyle. They're militant about it. But let us be reminded. The culture does not dictate truth. The gospel dictates truth. Amen? Isaiah 59 verse 15. It says... So the truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Redeemer of Zion, then the Lord saw it, and and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him, and for he put on Righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with the zeal as a cloak. Anyone got any zeal in here now? Come on. Verse 18. According to their deeds, according to people of pay, fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, the coastlands he will fully repay. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory is from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. You've got to declare that in your life. If you are facing a war right now, you will declare it. If the enemy has come in like a flood, be reminded right now of his word. The Lord will raise up a standard against him. He will raise up a standard against his people. Those that are attacking his people in Israel. He will do it. Lord of war, move on Israel's behalf, even now in Jesus' name. The Redeemer of Zion will come, and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. Verse 21 As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant. With them, my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from your mouth or your descendants. I want that. Nor from the mouth of your descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. Who wants that? I do. Guys, listen to this. NPR is not reporting that transgender groups are arming up at gun clubs. They're not. They're not reporting right now that there are different transgender groups that are arming up at gun clubs. Well, they are reporting it. But the the point here is this. We are facing an all-out war. And if we do not, as as men of God, keep our head on swivel, if we do not pay attention that this is real, it is serious, we're going to be asleep at the wheel and we're going to go... We're not going to know what happened. We're going to be on defense, and it's going to take 
several times of getting hit up inside the head before we recognize what it is that we need to do. And I do not want to be that guy. Amen. So is the Lord a Lord of war? Yes, he is. And we are called into a tough place. It is the fight of our day. We didn't ask for this, but we're sure not going to back down. We are going to step into this spot, in this place, and we are going to fight for our families. Guys, we have to fight for our families. We have to fight for our nation. We have to fight that our, our children, that there will be something that we leave behind. I've shared with someone recently that you will definitely leave what you live. And I shared it with him as an encouragement, but the point is this. What are you going to leave? It's going to be what you live. Are you going to live a life that fights for your family, that fights for the kingdom of God? Will you live a life that puts you in an uncomfortable place so that the only way that you, that you can make it out of situations is to see the supernatural power of God move for His name and for His fame? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words that were shared tonight, Lord, those that, um, God, that you're speaking, I pray that those that um, would edify the body and would edify these men, Lord, I pray that those would take root and grow and become good fruit on good soil. I pray that those things that they've been spoken or anything that shouldn't have been said, I pray that it would fall by the wayside, Lord, and I pray that these men would walk out encouraged and strengthened in you. Father, I pray that each and every person would be safe and keep them safe tonight, Lord. Watch over camp. Watch over the rest of us. Even the breakout session, God. Continue to move mightily, Lord. And, and as we come upon Saturday, Lord, I pray that uh, we just continue to honor you. That there would be open heavens over this camp. That the wind of God would blow through each and every one of us and our tents and, through, and as we sleep. Lord, I pray that each and every person would, would rest well and wake up rejuvenated. We thank you for your word. Most importantly, we thank you for your presence and we thank you that you're here even now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.